You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. So we are... We're in this series called Made for More. And really what we're doing is in light of the resurrection, what we realize is that you and I were made for more. We were made for more than just this life. As a matter of fact, we weren't made for this world. We are citizens of heaven. That's why we don't fit in. That's why things were always yearning for something else because we were created for eternity. God's put eternity in our heart, mind, and soul. That's how we're hardwired. We, we saw on the bumper that uh, the two most important questions are, are, are the day or two most important events are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And, and most of you, maybe not all of you, but most of you know when you're born and what this series is all about is to help you understand why you were made for eternity. That's your why. And what we want to do in this series is unpack that why. Unpack what does that mean? If I'm made for eternity, what does that do with this life that I'm in right now? And we're going to talk about that. Here, here's kind of the way I process it. We are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. That's really where we're at. We are Easter Sunday people, but we live in a Good Friday world. And so now the question is, how do we make sense of that? Where do we go from there? One of the things, if you're new, that we like to do is just kind of memorize or kind of marinate on a Bible verse every series. And so this series, this is the verse we're looking at. It's a little bit longer. That's why I say maybe you don't want to memorize it. Maybe just marinate it on it the whole series. It's we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Second Corinthians 4, 18. Let me say that one more time. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is Pastor Francis Chan. I had an opportunity to uh, go to his church in Southern California years ago. Uh, pastor, author. He's got a great book if you want to follow a little bit more about him called Crazy Love. Really, really good book. But I, I saw him give an illustration about eternity that I want to share with you. And so I'm just kind of borrowing it. He, he takes this rope, and I want you to imagine this rope. And imagine this rope goes infinity that way, just forever and ever and ever. And then also this rope goes infinity that direction, just forever and ever and ever. This rope represents eternity. So, okay, eternity that way, infinity that way, eternity that way, it represents eternity. And then this little mark right here, this little red thing, and I made it bigger just so you would see it. This is the time we have on earth. And what so many people will say when they look at a Christian or maybe you or or me, it's like, man, it's crazy that you would put all your energy and hopes in something that is unseen, that is eternal. What I say is, I think it's crazy when people put all their hopes and chips in this small little fragment of eternity, realizing that we have so much more. And what we do in this time determines how we spend eternity. And not only do we uh, spend our, our, our time here, but most of the time, for a lot of us, we spend eternity, most of our, our life, building up, not for eternity, but for this little thread, this little sliver of what we call retirement. We work our whole lives to get what we think is this golden age retirement. And what God's saying is, I want you to spend your whole life, not just on retirement, but for, our, for eternity. Because you are made for eternity, and you are meant to live in light of eternity. That's what we learn in the resurrection. 
Psalm 39, four and five says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You had made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. This is a picture of my kiddos when they were younger. This is Riley, Callie Joy, just cheesing it up. And then Darby, my precious wife. And I remember when we had our family, uh, you know, starting off, so many people hold them close. You blink and they're going to grow up. Well, my wife and I, we made the mistake of, of blinking. And this is them now. And everybody's aged except my wife. So, um, <laughs> and when we think about like kids, we're reminded, man, time just flies. Or, or maybe, maybe you're in your 30s, 50s, 70s, 90s, and you're thinking back, you're like, man, it just seems like I was in high school just yesterday, right? And just time, that's what, that's what God's telling us. He said, your life is but a moment. It's but a vapor and then it's gone. Don't focus. Don't put all your chips in this life. Put it in the life to come. That's what we are made for. We are made for eternity. So what we're going to do in this series is every week we're going to unpack a different Bible character and kind of look at how because of an eternal perspective, what are they doing? How did they live in light of eternity? So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul. We're going to talk about Paul. Paul was first called Saul. And Saul uh, was a Pharisee, which means he was a Jewish religious leader. And he was actually uh, at the top of that list. And he was very devout at what he did. Last week at Easter, we talked about how the early church perse was persecuted. And that's why it was so amazing that 3,000 people were baptized in Acts 2. Because in the midst of persecution, they publicly pro professed Christ. Well, the person that was leading the persecution was Saul. We see that in Acts 8, 3, says this, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. And then uh, he's on one trip and he's literally on his way to Damascus with the only intent to go and arrest and persecute Christians. And on this uh, trip, he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus calls him out and he says, why are you persecuting my church? And he has a life altering moment with Jesus. Like many of us had last weekend or maybe last month, last decade, we had a life altering moment with Jesus and it changed everything. Saul had a moment that changed everything and he turned his name from Saul to Paul. And in the midst of that, Saul went from destroying the church to persecuting the church to then becoming someone that built the church. And this is what today's kind of big thought is, is Paul stopped building his kingdom so that he could build his kingdom. That's what we're called to do. So many of us, we've given our lives to Christ and we, we think we're supposed to abandon the marketplace or abandon our gifts. And God's saying, don't abandon them. That's how I've wired you. That's where I placed you. Just use them, not for this life in mind, but use that with eternity in mind. Use your skill, use your gifts, use your relationships for eternity. I placed you where I placed you and wired you in hopes that you would shine for all eternity. You don't have to leave the marketplace. Stay there and just shine bright because you were made for more. Outside of Jesus, Paul's the most influential person that helped shape 
Christianity. He wrote 13 or 14 different books of the Bible. And some of you are like, well, what do you mean 13 or 14? That's two different numbers. So there's the, the book of Hebrews is debatable on who wrote it. Most scholars believe that Paul did write it, but there's, there's a little bit of debate. So these are all the books of the Bible. He wrote Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and, and Philemon, and, and, and most likely Hebrews. So he, he wrote them, and what these are called, these are, the collection of this is called the Pauline letters. And what they were is they were letters that he would write to certain communities. So like, for example, um, Philippians, that was written to the church in Philippi. So they, this was to a community of believers. They would read the letter, and there was instructions on how to live out their faith, both individually and corporately. Now, I'm going to give you some bonus material. Okay, so there's some books of the Bible, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They're all about the same length, and they're all back to back to back. And I don't know about you, but I used to get them all really confused, but not anymore, because girls eat potato chips. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. I've been using this for like 20 years, okay? So I'll open up my Bible, and I'm like, man, where is it? Do I turn to the left or to the right? And I'm like, girls eat potato chips. I'm like, all right, okay. So... Girls eat potato chips, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. There you go. That's free of charge, okay? There you go. I hope that helps. So today what we want to do is we want to look at three. There's so much about Paul's life that we'll probably end up doing a series on Paul later on. So we're just going to take a glimpse, just a small glimpse. We're going to look at three lessons we learn from Paul from Philippians chapter 3 when it comes to eternity. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. And eight, if you don't have a Bible at all, not even at home or whatever, there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you, Lake County and uh, here in Apopka. You can take that Bible. You don't have to hide it. It's not sealing. That's a gift from us to you. And on the inside cover, there's actually some resources, a, a website to help you know how to navigate the Bible. So Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8. All right, here's what it says. But whatever were gain, this is Paul talking, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. So here's the first thing Paul's saying. Paul understood that Christ is greater than this world. Not only is Christ greater than this world, Paul understood that he's greater than anything this world has to offer. Anyone this world has to offer. This was serious, near and dear to Paul. Paul went from persecuting the church to clinging to Jesus so much so he said, anything in this world I consider garbage compared to Jesus. So how do we live how do we live for eternity and not focus on this? Because compared to Christ, this is nothing compared to what we get for all eternity. You see, Paul had an eternal perspective and everything was considered garbage compared to knowing and following after Jesus. There's a guy by the name of Randy Alcorn and Randy spent his life, he's uh, tragically, he's, he's passed away, and, but he spent his whole life teaching biblical financial principles, and he had a, a great quote I want to share with you. He says, he who lays up treasures on earth spends his life backing away from his treasures. To him, death is loss. However, he who lays up treasures in heaven looks forward to eternity. He's moving daily towards his treasure. To him, death is gain. He who spends his life moving toward his treasure has reason 
to rejoice. Isn't that good? That's why it's not we have to tithe or be generous. It's a we get to tithe and be generous. And Paul's not just talking about tithing. He's talking about everything. Paul didn't just tithe. Paul used everything he had to leverage it for the gospel, to leverage it for eternity. He used his words. He, he used his time. He used his energy. He used his, his hours. That's why last week at Easter, it was absolutely incredible. But in order to do everything that we were able to do and serve everybody we were able to serve, it took an army of volunteers. And what the army of volunteers were saying is they were saying, hey, listen, we want to use this part of our life to help impact other people for eternity. And they said, we'll do whatever it takes and we'll sacrifice a certain amount of hours to serve because we have an eternal lens. And it took an army last week to pull off Easter. And I love that because they were eternally focused. They wanted to make an eternal impact. Let's keep going. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 15. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straying towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such view of things. So here's the second point. Paul was focused on his future, not distracted by his past. It's, it breaks my heart how many people have given their lives to Christ. And instead of you experiencing freedom, you're still stuck in what happened in the past. Your sins from the past. And what Paul's saying, he's saying, listen, I've not arrived, but the one thing I do is I ain't looking back, I'm looking forward. And, and you're, you're, some of you are like, but you don't understand what I've done in the past. No, I would say, if Paul can say that, someone that persecuted Christians, I promise you, I promise you, we could all say that. When I was in high school, my very first car I ever received was a 300, or received, first car I ever purchased, $300, 1983 Buick century. Now listen, I'm not old enough to think a 1983 anything was awesome. Okay. It was old when I got it. It was struggling. I wanted to show you a photo of what it looked like. So I tried Googling some photos, but all the, the photos on Google made it way more glamorous than it was. So I'm not going to show you anything. My car was struggling. Okay. Now I played baseball and I, in my senior year of high school, I, I think we had a game or a tournament over in, in the semi area and I'm driving back, I believe on the turnpike and I'm driving back. And as I'm driving and, and my car had all the problems that a $300 car had. Okay. So it had some issues and I'm driving. It is not a convertible. And just in one second, my car went from not convertible to convertible. The windshield just went, whew. When you're going like 60 or 70 and you lose your windshield, you're like, all right, what's going on? <laughs> like, what do you do? And it just backflipped. And thank goodness I was in the right lane and the wind blew it onto the grass so it didn't cause an accident. Thank goodness. And, and so I pull over immediately. I do the only walk of shame. I've never heard anybody else going to do the walk of shame to pick up their windshield. I go, I go and, and look at it and I don't know how or why, but it, it's, it didn't break. Like the whole thing just flew off, but it's, it's in one piece. Do you know how embarrassing it is to go to your high school with your windshield duct tape to your car? I was like, people are like, Hey, what are you doing with that duct tape? I'm, I'm sponsored by duct tape. It's no big deal. You know, it's my sponsor. Now this is not my car. This is just a windshield 
Okay, and so you could see how big the windshield in a car is. You know, automakers make the windshield really big because they want you to be able to see everything. But look how small the rear view mirror is. And what some of us do in the faith is we make the rear view mirror as big as the windshield. And we make the windshield as small as the rear view mirror. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, the one, I'm not arrived, but the one thing I do is I minimize this and I focus on this. The thing I do is I look to the future and I ain't looking back. Why can he say that so confidently? Because he's looking at eternity. And because of eternity, the best is always yet to come. And that's the promise that he clung to. And I, I noticed that a lot of us struggle when it comes to this idea of focusing on the future and not looking back. We struggle with really condemning one of two different people. In Romans, Paul says this in Romans 8.1. He says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I think a lot of Christians, what we do is we condemn one of two people. We either condemn other people, which is not good. It's not your job to condemn anybody. If God's not condemning, you don't condemn them. But the other group of people that I see a lot of Christians condemn is themselves. And I just want you to know that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you so that you would have freedom, not shame. And every day, some of you are waking up condemning yourself, listening to the negative voices. You're not good enough. You call yourself a Christian. You're still struggling with this. You're so, and you're giving yourself condemnation. And Paul's saying, there is no condemnation. We don't look behind. We look forward. We don't look at our past or even our present sin. We look to the glory of Jesus. He says, I've not, a, I've not obtained this. This is just my goal. And so I would say, be kind to yourself. Don't condemn yourself. God doesn't condemn you. Don't condemn yourself. C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It's one of my favorite quotes. See what he's saying? Because some of us are like, well, if I live for eternity, what, what about my witness? Or what about how do I help make my, my time on earth impactful? And I would say this, people that live in, in light of eternity and what C.S. Lewis is saying are oftentimes the ones that have the most and greatest impact on this earth. Because what we're doing is, is we're not clinging to this life because we don't cling to this, we cling to eternity. And when you surrender to this life, now you're freed up to serve this life. Now you're freed up to, to be generous in this life. You're freed up to serve and help other people because we don't cling to this life or our possessions or our stuff. We cling to Jesus. Let's keep going in Philippians 3.15. It says, all of us then who are mature should take such view of things. So Paul's talking about this idea of living a life for eternity. And he's saying it's actually about a mark of maturity, which brings me to my third point. Living for eternity is a mark of maturity. Living for eternity is a mark of maturity. Some of you, you're seven days old in the faith. You gave your life to Christ last Sunday. Maybe some of you are less than that. Some of you have been following Jesus for a month, three months, a couple years. There are, one of our goals is to consistently move towards Jesus it's called spiritual maturity. And as you do that, you will lessen the grip on this life as you realize it has nothing to offer and you will cling to the next one as you realize that's where our hope is. And what Paul's saying is when you do that, that's a mark of spiritual maturity. 
When I get around spiritually mature people, they're not clinging to the things in this life. The people that are spiritually mature, that pour into me, they're, they're constantly seeing and talking and living through the lens of eternal perspective and eternal impact. C.S. Lewis went on to say, if we discover a desire within us that nothing in this world can satisfy, we should begin to wonder if perhaps we were created for another world. Isn't that good? He's exactly right. This is a picture of friend Troy right here. Troy's been a manager at Grills. He spent his entire uh, career working in the restaurant industry. And Troy's a great man of God. And this is some of their other staff at Grills. Grills, if you're not familiar with it, is a, a, a restaurant on Lake Fairview, not far from uh, our Apopka campus. And Troy, like many of us, he kind of found himself in a valley. And when he was in the valley, he just surrendered everything to God. And in that valley, he, he just radically surrendered and became, or just said, whatever it takes, I'm gonna follow Jesus. And his life began to turn around more than ever. It was in this time he was working at grills and he felt like God was calling him to maybe become a missionary. So he sets up a meeting with his supervisor and says, hey, listen, I don't think God's calling me to the restaurant industry. I think God's calling me to become a missionary. Well, what I didn't realize, which is pretty cool, is the people that own grills are strong believers. And so they looked at Troy and said, you want to go to the mission field? Here's your mission field. They said, go at it. And so Troy didn't become a missionary in the sense that you and I think he became a missionary at Grills. And he began to pray for his staff and he began to pray for the customers and he began to serve them. And then two years ago, he started a Bible study. And he started this Bible study that takes place in the restaurant during the hours and staff come and they're, and, and literally I got to hang out in it and they're, they're coming as, as much as they can in the midst of a restaurant and they're coming and hearing there's something and what he's doing, he is bringing the gospel to them. And some of them, it's the only Jesus they know and see. And so the grill's ownership started to take notice that this is pretty cool. And they said, hey, we have two other locations on the coast. Why don't we make you like the chaplain for grills? And why don't you go and start ministering to all three of our locations? Isn't that cool? So that's what he's been doing. And so I got to hang out and go to their Bible study and meet their staff. And I'm telling you, I was blown away. I was blown away by the opportunity he has to minister. Why is he doing that? Because he, he used to live thinking that grills was about this. And now he looks at grills in light of this. And I would say the same thing, whatever it is you do. You don't do what you do because God put you there to live for this, to work for a paycheck or to, to build your kingdom. God put you where you're at so that you can live for his kingdom. Don't abandon where God's placed you. Just change why you do what you do. Do it in light of eternity. And, and what does that look like if you're a stay-at-home mom? What does that look like if you're a teacher? For all of us, it's going to look different. If you're a doctor or an engineer, it's going to look different. Not, not everybody can have the title um, by their boss as chaplain. I mean, that would be awesome. But there are some things you can do. And I just love the premise that now he feels like he's in a sweet spot because he's doing what God's wired him to do, but he's doing it with an eternal lens. 
I love that. I think he's living out Acts 20, 24. And Paul says this. Paul said, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the, by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. That's what Troy is doing. And he's doing it beautifully. I don't know if you've ever heard of the idea of a bucket list. So a bucket list is basically creating a list of things that you want to do in life before you kick the bucket, before you die. And some of you are like, yeah, I know that Tim McGraw song. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull name. Come on. Hey, that's as close as I get to singing, by the way. So in my early 30s, I thought, I, I want to create a bucket list. What are some things I want to do in my life? I thought this would be fun. And so I wrote down some things. And one of them was I grew up wakeboarding a little bit. I was never great, but I just loved it. And I thought, you know what? When I was growing up, they didn't have like ramps. And, and then they invented ramps and all kinds. So I thought on my bucket list, I'd love to jump a ramp one day. But here's the deal. I hadn't, I hadn't wakeboarded in like 15 years. I was old enough that I shouldn't, but I was young enough that I was still dumb enough to think I could. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I was able to get this photo, and this is me fulfilling a bucket list opportunity at OWC over by the airport. And this looks really like awesome. But what's going in my head right here is uh oh. You see, I didn't quite land how the pros land, and I hit the water, and when I hit the water, I dislocated my shoulder, and I was in physical therapy for three months, and I had to go back to my wife with my head down. I'm like, yes, ma'am, you are right. I am foolish. I am sorry. But here's what we're going to introduce in this series. I'm not going to encourage you to go get hurt, go skydiving, or, or do something foolish. But here's what I want to challenge. We're going to talk about this all, all series. What would it look like if you and I had a spiritual bucket list? And so what we're going to do on the way in or on the way out is you may have received a card like this. And what this is, is for you to think about what are the things that you want to do spiritually? Not that the other list is bad, but in light of we're living for eternity, what do you want to do for the kingdom of God before you spend on the other side of eternity your life? You might be thinking, well, what are you talking about, pastor? It could be whatever you want. Maybe one, one thing that might be on your bucket list is to read the Bible cover to cover. Maybe one thing on your bucket list would be to lead somebody to Jesus, to share your story or the gospel and help somebody find Jesus. Maybe you want to help baptize somebody. Maybe you want to lead a Bible study. Maybe you want to go on a mission trip. Maybe what's on your bucket list is to visit the Holy Land, go to Israel. I don't know what's on your bucket list. There's nothing right or wrong. It's just, would you, in this series, get away and just pray and say, God, what is it you want me to do? I shared in the fall, one of the things on my spiritual bucket list is I, I want to lead somebody to Christ on every continent around the world. That's, that's been my goal for about 15, 20 years. Will I do it? I don't know. But I like that I have something that I'm going after. And so my prayer is, would you 
consider coming up with a spiritual bucket list. And what we're doing at Lake County and here in Apopka is we're gonna have in the atrium in the lobby, we're gonna take your cards when you fill them out and we're gonna hang them up. So you could take two, you could write one out and keep it for yourself, but then bring one back and, and hang it up because what that's gonna do, it's gonna encourage and inspire each other. There's a lot of people that I don't know what to do. And then I've read some of them because we already have some up. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I might incorporate that or do my own version of that. And so we want to encourage you when you take these home or maybe you already know what it is and just hang them up throughout the next couple weeks. Just take them, hang them up online. We have it available as well online. Here's what I'll tell you. It can be really big. You can do something on your bucket list that's really big, but it's impossible to do anything on your bucket list that's small. Because if God gives you the assignment, God never gives a small assignment. So don't overthink it. Don't think it has to be something massive in your head. If God's telling you to do it, it's never small because we don't judge it by the action. We judge it by the giver. And God never gives small tasks. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. God, the only reason we rejoice about eternity is because you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross in hopes that we would have something to look forward to. And so we say thank you. Thank you for the cross. And God, um, would you help me? Would you help us as a church, my friends? There's so much gravity and so much temptation to live this life for ourselves and to get as much as we can and to please ourselves as much as we can. But God, Paul reminds us that we are made for eternity. Would you help us to live mindful of eternity as we go about our week and how we interact with people at work and our home, the words we say and how we use our time? Give us the lens of eternity because we believe we were made for more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Jordy Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Jordy Christian Church, please go to jordychristian.com.